broken friends welcome to another podcast i hope you all are doing well and washing your hands and practicing good social distancing i always think about what if greg came back at this moment in time i wonder what he would think he just he's only been gone since december 2015 and yet it feels like the world has gone crazily awry since he's been here. Even then, that short period of time, I mean, we've come up with new words that were never here before, like social distancing. I mean, who is ever going to forget the year 2020 and social distancing? This has just been wildly insane. I wanted to go back and revisit a blog that I posted in March this time last year. And I thought it was relevant to what we're all dealing with today. And the title of my blog is, Does God Keep the Snot? I'm going to apologize in advance for those of you who are going to get grossed out by the idea of snot, but just hang with me here. Let's get real. When it comes to crying, not all tears are equal. And in my mind, I look an awful lot, I imagine, like Demi Moore when she cries in the movie Ghost. Now, let me just back up and remind you that in my mind, I also am a princess in some sort of fantasy land. But I think I look like her. I mean... Her crying scene in Ghost is epic. I made Greg suffer through the movie Ghost because I like Patrick Swayze and he liked Patrick Swayze. Now, I like Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing, in Ghost. I even like him in Point Break. Great movie. Greg liked Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, which, okay, that's a good movie too. Not a lot of like fuzzy feelings about that one, but it's good. So let's get back to Demi Moore crying in the movie Ghost. And if you've never seen Ghost, um, where have you been? Like, are you living under a rock? Because Ghost is an amazing movie. Or maybe it's just that you're under 40. That could be, that could be why you haven't seen it. But the plot line of Ghost is that Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze They're together, they're in love, and he gets murdered. And, of course, she's devastated by the loss. But this crazy lady shows up at her house, which is Whoopi Goldberg, and she's trying to convince Demi Moore's character that the love of her life, who just died, has not moved on in the afterworld. Like, he's still there, he's trying to solve his own murder, and he's trying to contact her. The, the ghost is trying to contact Demi Moore to let her know that she's in danger from this guy. And at first, Demi is like so angry that Whoopi Goldberg is there trying to mess with her and say that her the love of her life is still there. Patrick Swayze does some things in the apartment to let her know that he's there. He moves this penny up the door. She realizes that 
this lady's telling her the truth that Patrick Sweezy is not moved on yet, that he's a ghost. Okay, you get where this is going. And yes, I, I completely understand that this is way off biblically. The Bible, just let me remind you that the Bible says that when we die, we either go to one of two places, heaven or hell. But just play along with me, okay? The scene that ends up happening after she realizes Patrick Swayze is there in the room with her is so magical. The camera does this close-up of her, and you can see her flushed face take on an expression of awe. And her mouth slightly opens like she can't believe what she's experiencing. Her eyes, her beautiful dark eyes, fill with unshed tears. And we wait with bated breath for what's about to happen. Then slowly, dramatically, with the hauntingly sorrowful notes of unchained melody playing softly in the background. Oh, my love. Right? Can you, can you see it? Big, fat, beautiful tears slowly fall from her slightly reddened eyes. The moment is almost envious in its beauty. Do you have the picture? Okay. Remember, this is how I view myself. But when I look in the mirror, I can tell you that's not reality. I don't look anything like Demi Moore. There's crying and then there's sobbing. Crying on the right person can be pretty. It can be beautiful. But nobody ever looked attractive after the sobbing. Which leads me to this question for God. In the Bible, it says in Psalms 56.8, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears and put them in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. This is a beautiful promise from God. And one that when I'm in my right mind and not an angry, spiraling out of control space in my life, I can look on with appreciation and even fondness. I mean, how cool is it to know that God cares enough that he collects our tears? There are other times when I want to smash that bottle and get straight to the bucket because only a bucket would hold all the snot that comes with those tears. Okay, I know it's not polite to speak of gross things like snot. And yes, my mom is slightly dying probably in hearing me say this, but let's be honest. When the mucus is in full force, we're getting to the core of things. Instead of slightly red eyes, they look like Lucifer himself, okay? The swelling is so great that the eyes and the nose, they threaten to stay shut. There is no flushing of the face, but great blotchy patches that look like we may have a rosacea problem. We can't close our mouths or we would suffocate. So there may be like a little drool sneaking out of the corner of our mouths, and our lips are actually red, but wrinkled from being chapped because we can't close our mouths. And also, we're dehydrated because we're leaking fluid from our body constantly. 
and the snot. Glorious snot that leaks in thick waves from our nose and down the back of our throats. It's the kind that takes four tissues per blow. I know I've already mentioned that my mom is probably dying at this, but just so that you all know, um, when I first wrote this, I had her preview it, and she said, it's good, but there's too much talk about snot. <laughs> and so I just had to laugh at that because, yes, mom, life is messy. There is snot. Our heads ache. Our body is sore. Our mind having exploded to get us to this point gratefully goes numb after we wind down. Have you ever been so exhausted after you've cried? You just need a nap. When we finally wake up from our sobbing stupor, it's often to mounds of tissue, soaked pillows, and possibly someone trying to sneak away from the atomic bomb we just dropped. So I'm back to my question. I know God keeps the tears, but does God keep the snot? And to me, it's a great question. It's a valid question because when the snot is involved, I am being completely honest. I'm not trying to hide or to pretend everything is all right. I'm letting go and really allowing myself to feel what it is in the depths of my heart. What's in there? Pain, obviously. Anger, self-pity, frustration, fear, despair. But Lori, you say, you're, you're a Christian. You're you were a pastor's wife, like you know scripture. You preach about hope and God's faithfulness. And my answer to you is yes, yes, and yes. You think God can't handle my snot? Here's another question for you. You think God can't handle yours? He can handle the snot. And if he can handle the snot, he can handle your pain, and your anger, and your fear. Look, I think God loves us not. I think he looks forward to it because when we're at our lowest, our most vulnerable is when he does his greatest work. When we're finally able to scream at him and yes, scream what is really going on in our utmost thoughts, in our innermost places, that's when he digs in to do his biggest work if we allow him. Pretending or masking or deluding ourselves isn't going to help us heal. That's what keeps us sick. That's what makes us sick and stressed and under pressure. Did you know that mucus has a very important purpose? Our bodies produce it because it has antibodies in it that help protect us from bacteria and viruses that could make us sick. And while we may think it's gross, it has an important purpose. So does letting out our pain and being real with God. Obviously, God already knows what's going on with us. It's only when we are honest with ourselves that we can let him in to do his divine work of making us well. But only if we allow him. Just like a doctor asks for consent to treat you, God asks for consent to treat you as well. He's not going to force it on you. He wants to fill you with joy, 
give you confidence and strength. He wants to give you hope. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that his grace is sufficient for us, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. What a promise that is, because a lot of times I feel weak and exhausted. I am in the word of God, and I know that if I let go of trying to control life on my own, <laughs> like I can control anything in this world, and I give my problems to him, that's when he gives me the strength I need to make it through another day, to tackle another issue, to feel hope and security for the future. There is so much wisdom and hope found in scripture. All we have to do is be obediently looking for it. I know with this coronavirus, um, there's fear, there's sadness, there's so many things that are unknown. And I felt like this was really poignant at this time to go back and to remind us we don't have to fear. We need to be, as my pastor keeps telling us, fearless in the Lord. Because even though we may be sobbing and the snot may be flowing, he's got this. He sees it all. He understands. I've asked my son, Jake, my oldest son, to share a little bit about how he's dealing with life right now. It's very relevant because he was living his dream in Florida. He got accepted to be a Disney college program student out in, in, at Walt Disney World. And it was more to him than just his dream. Remember those letters that I read to you from his dad? Greg wrote specifically to Jacob about doing the Disney College internship. He knew that Jacob would get it. He thought he would be great at it. And so this was not only Jake's dream. In a way, it felt like he was honoring his father's wishes for his life in doing the college program at Disney. So when all of this craziness with the virus came and they closed down Disney it was such a blow for him because he felt like his dreams had been crushed. He's home now, and we've really had to deal with heartache of losing that dream. So I've asked him to come and share a little bit about how he is dealing with great loss in his life. Hey, Jake, thanks for joining me. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay, so... I've talked a little bit about your college program and mm -hmm. what I think it meant to you, but I want you to explain in your own words what doing, being a part of the Disney college program meant to you. Um, it meant a lot to me. This was a dream in the making for about five years. It started one night after I saw some friends at a coffee shop down here called Dutch Bros. And, uh, they were talking about the Disney College program. I was like, oh, what's that? Never heard of it. Uh, and as soon as I took a look into it, I got obsessed. <laughs> uh, it was. That's true. Yeah, it was like all consuming for a while, just this dream to go. Um, I love just to like take care of people and make people happy. And a job where I'm completely like supported in that goal was just super exciting to me. I also just love Disney. Uh, 
well, in so many aspects. Up, Dad and I love Disney. And yeah. We, we would always take you guys as little kids to Disneyland, I think. Yeah, we went to Disney like at least four times a year, once every school break. <laughs> um, and then uh, on top of that, just um, with this goal that I had, my dad, he uh, on his death actually wrote me a letter, uh, just just a little letter um, saying different things about how much he loves me and stuff. And he uh, talked about how excited he was for me to be a future Disney intern. And so another aspect of this dream was just being able to like fulfill that um, achievement that my dad had kind of laid out for me. Uh, I know he would have been proud either way, whether I got it or not. <laughs> but totally. it, it just... It, it was something that was written down, and it felt very, very exciting to fulfill. And so you were out in Florida hating it. I'm just kidding. You yeah, loved it. Yeah, I hated it. every moment of it. <laughs> I never wanted to get out of bed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You love Florida. I do. Uh, I definitely feel like that's where my heart is right now. Uh, it's also where my car is. So uh, that's a pretty, <laughs> big, pretty, pretty big part of my life as well. Yeah, your poor car is out there. So... Can you explain, like, how you felt when they canceled your program? I felt completely devastated. Um, the moment I found out was like an out-of-body experience. Uh, is the best way to describe it. I've never experienced it, but if I were to, I would assume that would be it. Uh, reading, well, actually, uh, I'm, I'm in a group text message with a bunch of a lot of people a bunch of a lot of people, <laughs> a bunch of people I work with uh, at Storybook Circus, and one of them texted us, we're all getting sent home. And reading that, I knew, you know, it wasn't going to be a lie, but deep down I was like, hopefully, like, they're wrong or something. Maybe, maybe I don't understand what they're saying. But uh, right then I saw I got an email from my leader saying, uh, you guys are going home. You guys have four days to pack up and get out. Uh, your last shift is tomorrow or tonight if you're not working tomorrow uh thank you for all your hard work you know I, i'm so sorry about this but congratulations on completing your college program and reading that email broke me uh, i was actually online for a ride called test track with some of my cousins and my aunt and the whole ride it was just a blur <laughs> i don't remember that uh i just remember i got off and i was like sorry guys i have to like make some phone calls i called my leader uh Luckily, when I called him, I was still composed. But as soon as I got off the phone with him and he confirmed it was real and just super uh, apologetic, it's not his decision. He just has to enforce it. Uh, I broke down. I started crying. I called my roommate. I called my mom. I called my friends. I just I called everyone just trying to figure out what what can I do in this moment. I felt so so helpless. It felt like. A death of your dream, yeah? It felt like the death of my dream, exactly. Uh, this whole dream that I've been looking forward to was five years in the making, and I, I finally got it, and I got this time frame. All right, January 27th to July 30th, that's your college program. Like, go enjoy it. Go live your dream. Like, you, you finally made it, you know, enjoy those six months and some change, and after a month and a half, it was over. <laughs> I was definitely not expecting that. So... Let me ask you this very important question. Was there snot involved in the loss? <laughs> There's a lot of snot involved for days. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever, I don't know if 
oozed is the right word, but I never oozed so much out of my nose. Um, I'd probably say as far as like devastation up there with losing my dad was losing my dream uh, and just being blindsided by it. Uh, I've never, <laughs> I've never cried so hard besides the death of my dad. I hope you're okay with me saying this, but I flew you home and when you got off the plane, you were in rough shape. Yes, definitely. Um, actually before you flew me home, I spent a few days in Florida, um, trying to figure my life out and getting it all together. And, uh, those few days I was out there took a toll on me as well, because the longer I was out there, the more I I realized like I was right next to my dream and I couldn't get in. I was like right next to where I lived, but I had no home. Um, I, I was just stuck right next to my dream and that, that was super hard. So being out there, I just kind of broke little by little. And when I finally had to go home, I was, <laughs> I, I was just completely broken at that point. Uh, I remember my family picked me up from the airport and they all came to give me a big hug and I just started sobbing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so tough when our plans and our dreams don't go according to our plans. <laughs> it, For sure. It's hard to think that God can have something better out there. But I think you have your own personal relationship with Jesus. And I think that you understand that when God brings something into your life, oftentimes it's not what it seems. He could be doing it for different reasons, maybe even for your protection. Yeah. I uh, have known Jesus my entire life. And uh, if there's one thing I know about him, (laughs) I know that, uh, normally how I picture my life is not how it's going to turn out. Uh, but when I'm past whatever period of my life, um, feels like it's not where, like I want it to be. It's always so much better than I thought it could be, or there's just, you know, crazy opportunities or things that come out of it that I would have never been able to experience had I just gone through it the way I thought. Um, so that's just kind of what I'm trying to lean into at this point is knowing that, uh, you know, God's never led me down the wrong path before, uh, through this, uh, for lack of better words, it sucks (laughs) in the moment, but I know, uh, you know, God's got me and, uh, he's got a plan. I don't know what that plan is. Um, but I'm I'm just trying to do some things right now to, to kind of, um, take the time he's given me and make use of it. Well, let's talk about that. What are you doing right now to rely on God during this time? Uh, well, it just kind of starts with prayer, just being in prayer with God and just, you know, being, being real about how I feel. Um, and just, you know, putting, putting my hope in God, uh, because honestly, and I've said this to so many people at this, uh, in this time of my life, I don't know how people that don't have a relationship with Jesus do it because it's so hopeless. Yeah, uh, that's so good. Yeah. Without Jesus, I would have no hope right now. I'd be in a much worse shape uh, than I am. Uh, well, I, I just struggled with, you know, uh, you know, thoughts or periods of my life of, you know, not wanting to uh, uh, be alive. And luckily, I've, I've you know, come through those uh, and through this, even though this is one of the hardest times of my life, that you know that that was never a thought in my mind because I know how how good God has been to me and how good He is, and I know 
uh, he is, he's doing something for me, whether I, <laughs> I like it right now or not, you know, he's, he's doing something that's going to be much better. And so, uh, <clears throat> just holding on to that hope is helping a lot. Um, it's definitely important to just connect with other people that love Jesus as well, uh, and just get their, their input on your, your life. And, uh, just, you know, even just to have their ears incredibly helpful. I honestly am just trying to to just be very open with God uh, in this time and, you know, just ask him to to do what he, what he wants with me, for lack of better words. Uh, I started going to a counselor because I feel like, you know, maybe I can work on things in my life now that he's taken all of distractions away, um, working on some relationships in my life. And um, I'm just trying to take this time currently as a, as a gift to to uh, work, work on myself and my life. Well, that, that's so good. And I think it's important to know that counseling is a great option when you feel helpless or hopeless. It's always, it's, go to a Christian counselor who has the the truth, the answers that come from God. So shout out to Lindsay. Well, thanks so much, Jake, for sharing and being open and honest about the snot in your life recently. Of course, anytime. So knowing that we've done a lot of crying in our family, a lot of sobbing, a lot of snot, does this mean that I can just pretty cry from here on out? <laughs> I mean, goodness, I hope so, but in reality, sadly, no. I'm sure God's got another bucket waiting for me to fill it again when life hits. But the fact is, is that he's waiting. He's waiting to show you just how faithful he is, just like he's proven himself to me and Jake in our lives. Give it a try. Give God a try and ask him, God, help me to rely on you. Help me to trust you in these times of fear, in these times of stress. God is waiting to take the beautifully broken pieces of your life and rearrange them and put them back together again in a whole new unique picture for your life. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that as my friends and I struggle through this time of uncertainty, this time of fear, this time of isolation, I pray that you would speak to us individually and that you would show us directly that you are waiting for us so that you can come and make us into the people you want us to be, full of character and integrity and with steadfast power, knowing that you are in all things. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.